Genesis chapter 45, starting reading at verse 1. This is God's word. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please, come near to me. So they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land. And there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years of famine. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them, and after that his brothers talked with him. Now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying Joseph's brothers had come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this, load your animals and depart. Go to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your households to come and to come to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you're commanded, do this. Take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives. Bring your father and come. Also, do not be concerned about your goods. For the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Then the sons of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh. And he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave to all of them, to each man, changes of garments. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. 
And he sent to his father these things, ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and food for his father for the journey. So he sent his brothers away, and they departed. And he said to them, See that you do not become troubled along the way. Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still, because he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. Then Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Amen. We thank God that he blesses us when we read his truth. We're going to pray now and ask for God's help to understand his word. Let's pray. Our God, you are gracious to give us your word. We thank you that in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, you speak to us. We pray today for the help of the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to us, that we may see him for who he is, just as these brothers saw Joseph for who he was. We ask for your help because we cannot do this on our own. And we pray in your name. Amen. Well, folks, the history of the human race is filled with people who we might rightly call pioneers or trailblazers. People who have been the first to go somewhere or to do something. Maybe you can think of some some of the, the great explorers of the past. Christopher Columbus, Vasco da Gama, Amerigo Vespucci. Maybe some more modern explorers, Scott of the Antarctic, racing with Admanson to reach the South Pole. Who would be the first? What about those who forged ahead to, to climb the world's highest mountains, to delve the deepest valleys, to explore the oceans? And even those who have flown off into space to land on the moon, leading the way, pioneers leading the way for others to follow. All of these things needed someone to go first. Someone to to head off into the unknown and to leave a path behind them for others to follow in their footsteps. There are such heroic tales told about those in the Christian faith who have been missionaries for the gospel across the world. People like Jim Elliot and his friends heading into the Amazon rainforest to reach those who had never heard of Jesus before. We might think of, of Martin Luther, and, and we'll be thinking more about this in our pre-communion service on Tuesday night. Martin Luther being the first to stand against the Roman Catholic Church, nailing his 95 theses to the door of the castle church in Wittenberg. We might think of Brother Andrew, Venturing behind the Iron Curtain. Wasn't it sad this week 
to hear of the passing of Maud Kells from Cookstown, who worked in the Congo. Definitely a, a trailblazer, a pioneer for mission and ministry in that part of the world. Sad for us, but for her it is far, far better. There are these people who go ahead, who, who take the initiative and, and who have the front position. And as they do, they, they almost, as if they were going through the jungle, they, they hack out a trail or a track for others to follow on. Pioneers in the realm of human exploration, discovery and of mission. Well, today, this passage is really about Joseph as a pioneer. Joseph as a pioneer. The key verse is found in chapter 45, verse 5. God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph has gone ahead. And in this way, Joseph once again points us to Jesus, to Christ as our pioneer, the author and perfecter of the Christian faith. Jesus is the one who pioneered the way for all those who take his name, those who call ourselves Christians, as we follow him. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so that's what the Christian life is really all about. It's about looking to the one who is our pioneer, the one who has led the way, and following him. Following him through life in this world, through death, and into the life to come. If you have your Bibles there, do have them open at Genesis 45. We're, We're going to see how this story about Joseph And how he reveals himself to his brothers points us to Jesus. Hopefully you remember where we are in the story. It's it's been been a couple of weeks. (coughs) Excuse me. We began quite a while ago with Joseph and his brothers in the land of Canaan. A lot of waters passed under the bridge since then. Joseph was sold into slavery. He was taken down to Egypt. He became a, a successful manager of a household. And then he was thrown into prison after being wrongly accused by his master's wife. And he stayed in that prison for two years before he was eventually brought before Pharaoh and interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. The dreams are significant. They spoke of seven years of plenty in the land followed by seven years of famine. And so Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt to to plan and prepare and organize for this time of famine. And so because of God's presence with him, we've seen that before, haven't we? Because God is with him, Joseph has risen to a position of great power in Egypt. Well, we are now in chapter 45, a couple of years into the famine. Joseph's brothers have come down from Canaan to buy food. And this this ruler of Egypt, they don't realise it's Joseph. This ruler of Egypt has tested them severely. And they had to travel back and forward from their homeland and eventually bring their youngest brother, Benjamin, back with them. Well, Joseph tested them again. He he put a silver cup into Benjamin's sack. And whenever they discovered it, Joseph wanted Benjamin to stay behind as a prisoner and, and send the rest of the brothers off. 
And that's where we left the story. Judah was interceding for his brother Benjamin before this ruler of all Egypt. Well, in chapter 45, we see there in the first verse, Joseph could not restrain himself. He couldn't keep up the pretense any longer. He he couldn't bear the secrecy. And so he finally reveals himself to his brothers. It's hard for us to to grasp this as readers because we know the truth. We've been in on the secret from the start. But you can imagine what this was like for those brothers. They hadn't seen Joseph in about 20 years. And now all of a sudden, here he is standing in front of them. And more than just standing in front of them, he is the Lord of all Egypt. This man who they've been dealing with was Joseph all along. They must have been stunned. The text tells us in verse 3 that they were dismayed. The Hebrew word has, has connotations not only of concern, but of distress and of fear. Imagine how the brothers were feeling. They, they likely had all these feelings of guilt flood back into their mind. They could still remember that day when they had watched these traitors bundle their brother Joseph off over the horizon. And they made this plan to kill a a kid goat and and cover Joseph's tunic with with the blood. And then they went and told their father a lie. And they've had to keep up that pretense and that lie ever since. Imagine those sleepless nights they endured knowing what they did was wrong. That guilt which which they had pushed deep, deep down. Trying never ever to think about it. Now all of a sudden it comes flooding up. Here is their brother standing before them as Lord of all Egypt. It's a scary prospect. Especially when you mix it with the guilt. They must have feared for their lives. What would Joseph do to them? But Joseph is gracious. He's loving. He's kind. God had been with Joseph. God was with Joseph through all of the difficulties leading up to this point. And God did not abandon him in this moment. God was still with him. And so through an understanding of God's sovereign goodness, Joseph is able to say to his brothers, please come near to me. I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves. God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here. But God. Isn't that an amazing perspective? Joseph is forgiving and kind. Because he can see that God's sovereign hand has been in everything that's taken place. I think this story from God's word assures us today that with God in control, we don't need to fret or be dismayed. We don't need to be like these brothers. We can be calm and we can be forgiving like Joseph. 
And we've seen this hinted at throughout the series. We've seen that God is always at work. God is always with his people. You remember those sermons? And now we, we see it played out in the life of a believer. This is application for us in the example of Joseph. Understanding that God is sovereign allows us to be calm and forgiving. Now, this might be easy to say in this moment, in the moment when everything seems to be coming together, the story's reaching a conclusion, everything is good, but it's no less true when we're in the valleys, when we're in the difficulties, when we need to search to see God's hand, when we struggle to see his sovereignty. God is no less sovereign in the moments of difficulty than he is in the moments of joy. There are times in our lives when we celebrate God's sovereignty, just like Joseph does here. But there are also times when we have to cling to God's sovereignty, just like Joseph must have done in the pit and in the prison. Part of Joseph's celebration in the sovereignty of God is that he he pours out blessings upon his brothers. Verse 21 and following tells us about the carts and animals and clothing and silver and grain and bread and other food. And the whole thing is summed up in verse 23 in, in, in the word 23 in the words good things. Joseph blessed his brothers and his father with good things. And isn't that how we should respond to the sovereignty of God? We should celebrate and bless those around us with good things. Sharing with others all that God has given us. Because recognising God's sovereignty recognises that all things come from him. The good things and the bad things. But sharing the good things is a privilege. And that is Joseph's response to God's sovereignty. I think the clothing is especially uh, important here. The, the clothing that's spoken about in this passage is important because it gives us a, a wonderful picture of what Jesus does for us. So did you notice in verse 22, Joseph gave his brothers a change of clothes and he gave Benjamin five changes of clothes? I think this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Let's remember what these brothers had done. They had stripped Joseph of his tunic. They had took his clothes from him, his many-coloured tunic. They had beaten him and taken his clothing, but now what does he do? He gives them clothing. He gifts them with new clothes out of his sheer mercy and grace. Well, isn't that a picture of what Jesus does for us? We've sinned against him. We have broken his commandments and we have turned away from him. Yet in his mercy and grace, he chooses to reach out to us and to clothe us in his righteousness. Jesus takes on the pain and the suffering that we deserve and he absorbs it. And in turn, he offers us his grace. He offers us a righteous standing before God the Father, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. 
Joseph was sent ahead by God for the salvation of his brothers and their families. He was sent through difficulty and pain, through slavery and imprisonment. But then he was raised up by God into this new and glorious life as Lord over all Egypt. What God has given him in clothing and wealth and riches and food, well, he shares it with his brothers. Joseph was sent ahead so that many lives could be saved. Without Joseph, the brothers had nothing. They would have slipped into poverty and perhaps died due to starvation. But because of God's sovereign plan, because God sent Joseph ahead, the brothers are given life. And not just life, abundant life. Even the pagan king Pharaoh gave these brothers the best of things. Because God's sovereign plan in sending Joseph ahead means the brothers are given the blessings of being God's people in God's chosen place and having God's presence with them. And so what do we do? Well, we look to Jesus. He's the one who's been sent before us. The one who has endured life in this world. What was the life of Jesus like? Well, Life with no home. Life with his family and friends rejecting and hating and abandoning him. Life which was ever leading to his death upon the cross. Just think about what Jesus has endured for you. He went through pain and suffering like no other. He was sent ahead. Sent ahead to the grave for you. He died the death. That you would have to die. But Jesus forged a new path. He pioneered the way through death and out the other side. And so just as these brothers followed Joseph down to Egypt. So we need to follow Jesus to death. We put to death what is earthly and carnal in us. We put to death the sin which so easily clings to our flesh. We die with Jesus. Because when we take up our cross and when we follow him to death, we too will follow Jesus to the new life that lies on the other side. Christ is the needle and we are the thread And he he pierces through that thick, dark canopy of death and bursts through to the bright and everlasting life on the other side. And he pulls all of his people behind him. As Paul says in Colossians 3, this is one of my favourite verses in the New Testament. Paul says, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Jesus is our pioneer, our trailblazer, leading the way for us to end up in glory with him. To be as these brothers ended up, given the blessings of God's people. Being the people of God in God's chosen place with God's presence. Christ, our pioneer, gives us new clothes. Past sins forgiven, 
present blessings and a future hope. A hope of a future filled with glory. And so just like these brothers, what did they need? They needed to realise who Joseph really was. He had to be revealed to them. In the same way the scriptures today, and every time we look to them, when we look to the Bible, Jesus is revealed to us. As both Lord and God, he is the God of all creation. More than that, he is the lamb who was slain to redeem us with his blood and whom God has raised up to the highest place. And he alone is worthy to receive all honour and praise and glory. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that Jesus has had all things put under his feet and has been given to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. And so just like Jesus, isn't this what Joseph has here? He has everything in Egypt under his feet. And he could use that power, he, he could use that power to judge his brothers. To say, these are my brothers who beat me and sold me into slavery. I find them guilty and sentence them to death. But instead, Joseph extends forgiveness. Just like Jesus. Jesus has everything in heaven and earth under his feet. And he could judge us. He could judge each one of you here and he would find you guilty. And he could sentence you to death, to hell for all eternity. But instead, he holds out forgiveness. And he offers you forgiveness of your sins and everlasting life. New and abundant life. Filled with blessing. I hope you can see Jesus today for who he really is. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. By him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. And in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. He has gone ahead of us. He is that explorer clearing a path through the jungle, cutting down the vines and the branches that would cause us to stumble. He has taken on the wild beasts and the deadly insects. He has cleared the way. This great warrior, this, this hero, he is the one who is before all things, the creator God. And he's cleared the way for you to follow him. And he longs for you to follow him today. He's saying to you right now, please come near to me. Do not be grieved or angry with yourself. For God sent me before you to preserve life. To preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your life. By a great deliverance. Friends, please come to Jesus and follow him today. Let me pray for us.